to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Yes, it's the Man Up podcast, the weekly podcast where we look at the Bible from the perspective of ordinary working men. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys hoping you'll join us on our spiritual journey. We've been looking at the book of Daniel, an Old Testament book that features many colorful and well-known stories. Guys, we're doing a pretty deep dive. We're on lesson five, yet we're only in chapter four of Daniel. And, and who are these guys? We're the regular Man Up panel. In the Zoom room with me is Bill Cox, who normally would be hosting this podcast. But since he's recuperating from surgery, he's taken a panelist role. But do you know, if you know Bill like I do, he doesn't like sitting still. So he's been writing blog posts for our website. So after the podcast, head on over to manupspiritualoasis.com for some of his great spiritual insights. And then come back again because... He's got a few in the hopper. He's just coming. Also with bring me. It bring it bring in. Bring it with both barrels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also with me over there, you just heard him, is the professor, Robert Koshu. He's a world-class corporate trainer for a Fortune 100 company. We're always happy to have him. Uh, also in the Zoom room is our local prosecutor, Michael Cropper. We call Yay. him the judge. Yeah. And, uh, I'm Steve Titch. I'm a retired policy writer. And for some reason, these guys have nicknamed me the gambler, maybe because I play poker and was once part of a blackjack team. One way or another, Bill lets me host, but he won't play cards with me. Well, <laughs> well it's not gambling, it's <laughs> donation when I play with you. <laughs> I tithe. <laughs> you <are. laughs> You have, right. to, you have to tie your arms behind your back, Steve, and let Bill play, okay? And not look at my car. <laughs> that could still be dangerous. Right. Um, okay, well, anyway, tonight's lesson uh, will be Daniel 4, chapter 4, verses 1 through 37. We could subtitle this The Madness of King Nebuchadnezzar. Now I'm going to switch things up. I'm going to go to Mike uh, to briefly fill in some gaps. Then, then we'll go right from there to this week's rather long reading. Last week, we looked at how Daniel's three friends faced the fiery furnace, and Daniel was off stage. Now he's back, and that earlier story was set earlier in Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Uh, it looks like some time has passed. So, Michael, what's the scene right now? Okay, right now, um, well, you said a little bit of history. Uh, folks, we're on the fifth lesson, as Steve just mentioned to you. The first lesson, if you remember very briefly, uh, the land of Judah is invaded and captured and taken to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Our second lesson, which we did four weeks ago, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar uh, has a dream, and his dream is very, very scary to him. It's about a big metal statue that's dazzling. And it scares him. Now, when he invaded Israel, and when he specifically Judah and, and Jerusalem, he brought back some members of the, uh, the royal families and uh, very uh, intelligent families, uh, very wealthy families, and he wants to make some of them 
his advisors in his cabinet, in the king's cabinet, if they are worthy of it. And so he trains, uh, he picks out specifically four boys, or four boys come into training for him. Now, this this dream is, is very dazzling regarding the statute. And he asks his his advisors, and they call them magicians, they call them wise men, they call them astrologers, whatever you want to name them, uh, are asked to come in. And King Nebuchadnezzar throws him a punch. He says, I want you to, number one, tell me the dream. And number two, then interpret it for me. And they are just dumbfied. They said, no one in this, this world or no one here can possibly, number one, tell you the dream. We can tell you the interpretation if you tell us a dream but no one can tell you the dream and, and, and interpret it as well, except the gods. Very interesting statement because we talked about that in the last two lessons and this will come into play again. Today's lesson is a great deal about the gods or a god or a holy god. Daniel, the Lord gives him the opportunity to come in before the king and he asks the king the opportunity to do it. And he does in fact go back and pray with three other Hebrew friends of his or men come, and at that time they're young men, they come and they all pray and God gives the dream to, Dan, uh, to Daniel and uh, the boys, but specifically Daniel. So he's going to interpret the dream. So he goes back before King, Neb King Nebuchadnezzar and he presents the dream to him, tells him what he dreamed, number one. Number two, he tells him what it means. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar is so inspired and, and so moved that he makes Daniel head over entire Babylon. Under him. And, and, and Robert made a very, very um, great, great statement about that. He says he's like the vice president. King Nebuchadnezzar is like the president. And, and, and uh, Daniel becomes up there at number two, like vice president. But anyway, so the, the dazzling statue that the king dreamed in lesson two has a gold head. And he is told by Daniel that, in fact, the the statute itself represents him and the kingdom of Babylon. And so, uh, and God has placed him in that position as the head of the kingdom. And uh, the time in the future will come about, other kingdoms will, will conquer Babylon. But at the present time, he is head and he is placed there by God. So in the fourth lesson, um, King Nebuchadnezzar creates a similar statue to himself, or I think he thinks it's similar. It probably isn't. I think Robert or Steve says he makes a statue that's 90 foot tall and I think 18 foot wide or 15 foot wide, very similar probably to a totem pole, folks, if you know what that is. And this statue is about himself. It's an image of himself. And he commands everybody, all the hierarchy in, the, in Babylon to come first and come to the vent. And he presents a statue and tells them to worship it. He tells everybody to worship it or they will be put to death again. So there are some men that these three Hebrew men were put above. We don't have Daniel mentioned in the fourth lesson, which is the last lesson. We don't have Daniel mentioned in it, but the three Hebrew men are brought before the king because they refuse to worship this image. And he is going to throw them in the fire of furnace and he does, in fact, throw them in the, in the fire. And folks, if you've read anything in the Bible, one of the greatest passages, one of the greatest uh, uh, deliverances we see in the whole Bible is of these three men. They're thrown into a very hot furnace and they walk around in the furnace. And not only the three of them walk around the furnace, 
but they there there's a fourth one that walks around with them and this they do because they refuse to bow down to the god of nebuchadnezzar or his gods and god delivers him and he in fact states and he confesses at the end of this that they in fact serve a god that is fantastic or a holy god that can deliver them from his fiery furnace. Now, and again, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to get into more of this in the gods and the holy gods into this lesson, which brings us up to today, which Steve uh, talked about the fifth lesson. Okay, so okay, Steve. Uh, we'll, now we'll go to Bill, who is going to read the lesson for us. Daniel 4, 1 through 37. King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonder that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures for generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid as I lay in bed. The fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might be, make known to me the interpretation of my dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and, and I told them of the dream. But they could not make known to me its interpretations. At last, Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw, and their interpretation." The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong and its top reached to the heavens and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heavens. He, he proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree, lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it, and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump of its root in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, amid the tender grass of the field." Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentences by the decree of the watchers, the decisions <clears throat> by the word of the holy ones, to the ends of the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he is, and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, 
shall tell me the interpretation because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation but you are able for the spirit of the holy gods is within you then daniel whose name was belteshazzar was dismayed for a while and his thoughts alarmed him the king answered and said belteshazzar let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you belteshazzar answered and said my lord May the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong from its top, reached to the heavens, and it was visible to the ends of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruits abundant, and in which food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens live. It is you, O king who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to the heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one is coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its root in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him this is the interpretation o king it is a decree of the most high which has come upon my lord the king you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and it was commanded to leave the stump of the root of the tree your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules therefore o king let my counsel be acceptable to you Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty while the words were still in the king's mouth there fell a voice from heaven o king nebuchadnezzar to you it is spoken the kingdom has departed from you you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men, and he ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the day, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. 
and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will, according to the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand and say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol the honor of the king of heaven, for all his works are right, and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Well, we can go home now. Right, right. <laughs> That's a whole book by itself, guys, isn't it? A great, great, great yeah, story. Is. Phenomenal story. I find it interesting before he ever recognizes God there, guys, if, uh, let's see, he refers to Daniel as the one uh, in whom the spirit of the holy gods rests. So he's really relieved when Daniel comes to interpret the dream for him uh, because his own magicians and wise men, again, are not able to do this, even when he tells him the dream. But uh, in verse eight, you know, at least at last Daniel came before me and after the name, he names him after his God in whom the spirit of the holy gods is right there. He states there's a difference between unholy gods and holy gods. And he says, I know the spirit of the holy God is in you, but he's still seeking for this vision and everything to happen. That's going to happen to him. He's trying to find out what will occur to him. So I find that interesting. He knows already that there is a holy God and Daniel has the spirit in him. By the way, I, I, I don't know if you guys want to set this up, but it, according to the author, about 30 years has passed since the uh, occurrence, I guess, with the three Hebrew boys and them thrown into the furnace and Daniel, uh, I guess, interpreting the dream for him. But it, it, so there's a period of time between uh, Daniel, what Daniel, three and four, which we're looking at right now. Bill, Bill, you did the reading. So what do you, what do you think? Well, you know, the very first thing that kind of stuck out to me was the fact that he didn't test the wise men and, uh, and, and quiz them. Okay. Tell me not only what my dream was, but then also the interpretation. So I think to a certain extent that he, uh, uh, that he'd matured, you know, as he as he's gotten older, but then still, he wanted to believe that the uh, part of the dream where he was big as a tree and it uh, it gave shade to the beast and the birds also uh, were on the limbs that 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 was him. I mean, that was his pride, and he was still even what, like you said, thirty years down. Uh, he still had he still had this pride uh, in himself that he couldn't get over himself, and he didn't want to believe anything was bad, and and that was the the main point of the dream, 
and that I really believe that he wanted it interpreted. He didn't necessarily want the first part of the dream interpreted because he wanted to believe that was all him and that was his kingdom. So it was easy for him to interpret. You know, he wanted to know, am I going to get slaughtered here? I mean, is, is that, I mean, he wanted to know the, the last half of the dream. And, and, and that's pride. And to me, that, that stuck out. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's, just, that's just, just pride. Robert, what do you think? Oh. You're on mute. Robert, your mic. The LDL Muto button. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it gets you every time. All right, people. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah, try Robert this again. Just <laughs> so you know. Um, <laughs> I was saying things, talking maybe another. It isn't a podcast until somebody goes on mute. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, so is the story about Nebuchadnezzar's response or is the story about Nebuchadnezzar's illness? <laughs> oh, answering a Good. question with a question. Good question. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, you because you actually, I've heard it. I've heard it taught both ways. You actually last week, and I'm holding you to it. You said King Nebuchadnezzar uh -huh. is nuts. Yeah. Well, he, he, here, and, well here you go. Right. Um, no question so about it. This is a. There is actually a mental illness diagnosis um, that fits into this Bowen or something like that. But and basically, you it, it is a delusional state that your mind goes into that you believe you're an animal. Oanthropy. That's oanthropy. Thank our, you. Yeah. Our author of uh, Connect 360. And 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 I've I've my degree is psychology. Even though I'm in the corporate training world, my my degree is actually psychology. So there, it is a real thing. It's not made up because somebody said, oh, it's in the Bible. Got to have it. No, it's a real diagnosis that people can have. It's a form of schizophrenia, delusional behavior that undergoes. And, and I love it when the, when the Bible critics come out and they say, well, it's not in the historical record, so it can't be true. And I'm like, okay, how many of y'all knew King George III was actually off his rocker and nuts and actually spent the last five years locked away in the castle and nobody doing anything. Very, very few people know that about King George the third. There is a great uh, play now about Yeah. You, you, yeah. Oh yeah. Now there is, but you don't broadcast when <laughs> your ruler is, you know, I mean, think about, especially in, in that world and in that time frame, if your king is mentally ill and put out to pasture, you don't broadcast that because there's the Persians and the Medes over here. There's the Egyptians over here. There's the Greeks. You know, everybody else is going to go, time is ripe, <laughs> you know, in chaos. Mm -hmm. So nobody's going to broadcast it. Of course not. And is this also, I think this is also why you see Daniel ending up with so much power in the kingdom. Um, there, when we did Nehemiah and, the book of Ezra also talks about this as the stories of the Jews coming back after the exile and reestablishing Jerusalem and Israel. Um, you can see huge influences where the king basically paid for the group to go back and paid for the walls to be redone. So 
you know, God's hand working sovereignly in the world to make happen what needs to ha happen. So is the story about, <laughs> I'll, I'll drive it back. Cause, well, cause let's, yeah, I, there's, I think this, that's a good there's this passage and we don't know if Daniel is trying to temper something there uh, because it's really, I, you know, we can, doesn't seem to come out in the dream, but he says, he sort of gives him the, well, if you change your ways, if you, if you, if you show some mercy, your prosperity may continue. Um, although, although there's nothing, it seems like in the dream, there's, you know, the watchers just knock down the tree. They don't, they mm -hmm. don't offer any, they don't make any counter offer here. Uh, so, so nonetheless, so did, did, uh, where I'm, what I'm getting at is, was this Nebuchadnezzar's pride and was his, his essentially his punishment for his pride? Was it, it about, uh, you know, is it, is it, is it behavior and consequence? Oh, and in my mind, no doubt. And, and we always talk about, you know, and, and Bill's really good at this because, because I think there is a certain extent when you're awesome, say you're awesome. You know, I'm from Texas. Right, and, right. You right. know, I, I grew up in Texas and the Texas version of that is, you know, the, the Texas Ranger old saying is, if you can do it, it ain't bragging. <laughs> right. You Absolutely. Know? But, but you have to keep sure. it in context with yourself that God is in control and God gives you all of this. And, you know, my, my wife likes to say pride comes before a fall, which is very biblical, by the way. Um, right. So there's definitely something there, I think. And I think it's, it's Nebuchadnezzar putting himself on that high high spot I, I want you to hold that thought because we have a break coming but i do want to get back to this uh so we'll be back in just a moment you are listening to the man up spiritual oasis for men podcast originating out of sugarland houston texas usa it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too called authentic timely and unexpectedly funny man up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest growing shows in its segment Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the fellows of Man Up. Welcome back. This is the Man Up Podcast, number 161. Um, we are coming to you from uh, Sugarland, Texas, various places. We're still... We're still working on Zoom. Uh, every week we try to make our sound better, so we hope you're enjoying this. We're talking about the book of Daniel, chapter 4, uh, which seems to be more or less narrated by King Nebuchadnezzar himself. His, uh, his, his, his second dream we get interpreted in this book, his dream of being uh, perhaps being a mighty tree, but being felled. And as a result, he spends maybe what, what we interpret as seven years uh, insane in a, in, a, in a psychological state of where he believes he's an animal. Uh, he comes to his senses, but it is a story about pride. And what I wanted to ask you guys is this, um, and, and where we left off, where, where does, I guess, where does a sense, a good solid sense of self-worth end and dangerous pride begin 
I think typically pride is uh, is the area of adolescence when you're finding your way, uh, you're you're accumulating knowledge and experience, and you're getting a little bit of momentum, and then you just get your uh, uh, you get your head over your skis a little bit. Um, and once a person gets a little bit of experience, uh, as they get older, um, they achieve, and the, the, but they also experience you know, setbacks, uh, then they're able to be confident, but not have that uh, particular uh, element of having too much pride. And I think that the thing about it is what Mike brought up earlier is that this was 30 years down the road and still Nebuchadnezzar uh, had, this, had this pride about him. So if that is the, uh, uh, the main thrust of this lesson, then he did need to be uh, uh, smacked down um, a little bit because certainly by that point in your life, and I think that all of us as adult men understand that, um, you know, certainly uh, you can have pride uh, as, you're, uh, as you're coming up, but if you haven't experienced uh, any setbacks or anybody uh, come up on you uh, for you having too much pride, then you probably haven't lived much by the time you're our age. That's a, that's a pretty good definition. And, and I actually like the analogy, your head over your skis, because I've water, I've never snow skied, but I've water skied. And I understand the, you get ahead of yourself on the ski, you start feeling really good about it. Absolutely. You're eating it hard. That's <laughs> this, right. This seems to be something that's very susceptible to men in leadership positions because you get to a point where you're surrounded by perhaps even well-meaning people perhaps even people who, who who will will give truth to power even if you're even if you're doing this ethically um and and with a christian spirit nonetheless uh it's it's very easy to fall into this pride trap because like this is one of these things kind of we were talking about last week it's reinforced uh, no one's going to tell you you're not you're being too prideful they're coming to you and they're going to say bill you're the go-to guy you're the only guy who can get us out of this jam or robert get up there and make the uh the training speech we need because the, the, the two other guys who were in front of you didn't really get the job done and we're losing the audience here uh and so, so it, and I, I, well, thinking about this, I thought about Steve Jobs, who was, you know, there, there, there definitely were character issues he had, but he built Apple. They fired him. Apple went into a steep decline. They had to go beg him to come back. He brought the company back in, a, in, a, in, a, in an amazing way. Uh, repositioned it, you know, with the iPhone and, and all sorts of things, ultimately set them up with their whole deal with Disney. Then he died. And once again, Apple hasn't been doing that well since, you know, certainly in terms of innovation, it hasn't been doing that well since his death. It, it's, still, it's still a good company. There's a, guy, there's a guy who by every standard was a, was a Nebuchadnezzar. 
he wasn't mad, but he was the he was the guy who they needed to run that company. He was the right guy in the right place, and there wasn't anybody who could do what he could do. And um, so, when it comes back to to Christian men in the same in they may not be Steve Jobs, but we may be in positions where we. Uh, are constantly relied on, and we are so good that we can deliver. You know, does it take a does it take a failure, Bill? Does it take something that humbles you that to to bring you back? I think I think a lot of people um, they get um, <clears throat> a realistic sense of their expectations, um, but rather than having someone with too much pride uh, among uh, Christian men, more often than not, um, I see Christian men fall into the trap of false humility. They are the go-to guy. They're told they are the go-to guy, and yet they excessively humble themselves. And I think one of the things um, about Christian men is we need to live in the moment and where we're at and understand our position and that we've been given this position by God as opposed with, uh, you know, denying our actual talent and the position that we've been put in. Just accept the role and accept the accolades that we do get and appreciate them and then move on without any excess hubris. Big word there. <laughs> the author used that, dude, any bill. Right, right. <laughs> um, and it, it's an appropriate, it's an appropriate word. It's a Greek word. Yeah, and yeah, it's, I remember it, it's, Excessive pride to a fault, if I remember correctly. The yeah. the the first place I ran across it is years ago when I was reading uh, stories about the Apollo space program. They talked about the Apollo space program had fallen into hubris right before Apollo One with the fire that killed the three astronauts. Yeah. That they thought they could do no wrong, and so they steamed ahead, even though they saw warning signs like crazy and i i have also seen it referred to back at challenger and columbia both where warning signs are all over the place but your pride says no keep going you know for those that don't follow the space program there were foam strikes that basically what sank columbia piece of foam broke off the tank of the shuttle hit the shuttle compromised the heat shield, burned it up on when it re-entered two weeks later. But there were phone strikes on just on like 95% of all the shuttle launches. And everybody just came to live with it as an acceptable risk and never approached it. And I think that's where that's a hubris. That you you it's a it's a pride where you don't see your own faults. And right. And it and it's and it go ahead Mike. Oh, okay. There's a, there's an obvious one we're all familiar with in Acts uh, 12, where King Herod Agrippa uh, <laughs> does a great speech for the Tyre and Sidonians, and uh, and they called him a god. They said, "Oh, you you do this awesome speech. You are a great god." And I guess he gets all puffed up and everything, and 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 
the Holy Spirit strikes him, God strikes him, and, and he dies. He's eaten with worms because of that pride uh, that, again, once again, and you're, you're aiming toward that. We're kind of aiming that that way, but his pride was of himself and how great he was. Now, why did he get hit with death versus Nebuchadnezzar who didn't die? It always goes through my mind, and we see other examples in the uh, Old Testament, New Testament of uh, of persons who who are proud and they get brought down. Some of them die, some of them do not. But anyway, uh, that, that's one of them that jumps out in my mind is is uh, King Herod Agrippa and how he doesn't get the second chance to write himself like King Nebuchadnezzar does. Well, we saw it in ancient Israel with Saul. He yes. thought he could do no wrong and move forward. We did a big, long study of that. And then David, you know, yeah. and I think, in, and now, I think, and maybe this is a conversation to have, do we see it in leaders today? Right. You know, the exactly. CEO that, that pretty much is divorced from reality about what's going on with this company. And, you know, it, it's the, you know, you cash out all your stock options when you know when the bad report comes in before you release it <laughs> right? <laughs> and right. drives everybody's stock down or, you know, or you're the guy that, that gets all of the praise and adoration when the underlying books don't look so good. So you get the $6 million bailout to go away so we can hire somebody else to fix it, <laughs> what you broke. Right. I, I want to I circle back to what Bill was talking about, though, because he, he's been doing some writing about this and the idea, the, the, the opposite side of this coin, um, false humility. You know, on the one end, we, we, you want a, a sound, honest sense of self-worth, and you don't want to put your, it says, Put your own beliefs in yourself above, you know. You want you want a rational understanding of your own your own uh, faults. The other end is if you if you if you have a misunderstanding, if you you exaggerate or in your own mind exaggerate the faults you have, and maybe humility is the wrong word for it because I think humility is about understanding your faults. But you 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 let yourself you sell yourself short essentially. Uh, right and and right. that leads to a certain degree of depression i'm not good you know or 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 you begin to realize you're at a job and you're not being paid what you're worth or you're being taken advantage of you're doing two jobs instead of one or you're doing a job and not getting the title and uh i guess i guess that the healthy thing to do is to stand up for yourself in that situation uh, though sometimes, and I want to ask you, sometimes we as Christians believe somehow it's it's bad or wrong to say, well, pay me for what I'm worth, or uh, or or sit back and say, well, this is my lot, and maybe God will smile on me and change it. But this is where I am right now. As I, I I guess that's that's my question: is are 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 do too many men sell themselves short and settle for less than even God wants for them? I think there's moments that that happens. And, uh, but it, the thing about it is, if you sell yourself short as a man, you're going to get sold short again and again. Because when you get sold short, that means you're a good value. 
And there comes a point in time when you, your, the value that you place on yourself is higher than the value that you're getting. Play, uh, it happened to me uh, in a job, and it's funny that we brought this up. Um, I, I happen to like the job, but the value that they put on me is the fact that they could work me seven days a week, whereas that is a line that I would not allow to be crossed. And that was the moment when they were, they were buying me and bu selling me short because I was a good value that I valued myself so much more than that, that I would not allow that to happen. And I think that comes a point in time in everybody's life where that will happen if you, if you are continually uh, sold short. They, there, will come, there, there will come a time of reckoning where you'll, have, you'll, you'll come to that uh, moment where you're gonna say, I cannot take this anymore. And so you'll have to make that choice. And for some people it comes faster than others. But I, I believe the, the vast majority of people that are well adjusted, they will recognize that moment and they will seize the moment. Bill, I, I, I have to say this. I agree with you, but there and there's some other factors that go into that. Like right now, I work for the government. All of you know I work for the government. And there is a moderate amount of pay with the government unless you're just a, a top dog. Now, you also look at the factors, whether you're happy in the job or the situation right. You right. look at whether or not, uh, you're, in, in fact, your, your personal, your beliefs was not to work on Sunday, which is really good, which um, I, I think the... Uh, Chick-fil-A does that, and, uh, and another one of the hobby. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I work. I worked a job where I worked to Sunday every third Sunday, and I could handle that. I thought that was okay. I made sure I was in church the other two Sundays, and I think that's very, very, um, uh, a very good idea to, to speak what you say. The reason, I, and I, coming back to what I was saying, there's a number of factors you look at your job. You may be worth more if you go to another company, but you, you before you check in or, or check out of the present job, make sure you learn what you want to know about the other company and make sure you don't get in there with uh, uh, a situation that would be, um, I guess, contrary to your own beliefs, your own morals, your own standards, everything like they're a hostile environment. So you, there's a lot of factors you look at, not only just the pay, but you also look at the working conditions, whether you like the work, and I have, I've enjoyed my work ever since I've been doing it. And it's been 26 years now going to 27. So I really like what I do. So it's not always about the pay, which you said too, you don't in fact do a work necessarily for the pay. You're in contracting, you're in production, you're in film, editing, doing, right. And you like that. And, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily all pay. And certainly you, there comes a point in time in life where it comes to self-fulfillment. And, yeah. uh, you know, certainly you, you have to make money to live, but also you want to have purpose and yeah. you want to have uh, something in your life that fulfills you. And so, but like what Steve said, when you get sold short, uh, the first time it's, you know, you, you might say, well, that's, that's part of the job. Second time you go, well, 
it's happened to before, I guess it's inevitable. The third time, you, you, you know, you, you get to it. This is becoming a habit with yeah. these people. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to take this anymore. And I think that's more prevalent with men than it is with other people. Uh, with, with not only necessarily, I'm not saying just women, but I'm saying uh, maybe younger people that, are, that um, are just starting out or are working a part-time job. Whereas men, uh, typically, uh, they're looking for a career. They're looking for advancement. They've, they've, they've studied hard to get this particular position. They probably took a couple of training courses from the professor, <laughs> you know, to be qualified for it. So they've got a lot more invested in this. And to be sold short, uh, I don't, you know, the first couple of times, I think they understand it or they'll certainly put up with it. But then if it's really uh, goes against their values, I think they'll find a way out. Yeah. Well, I think it, it's one of them. It's one of them. They have to think through a little bit because then it becomes a question of, and I'll, I'll throw this out there. How much did you sacrifice to get to that point? And where do you make the decision to pull when do you make the decision to pull the plug as you look at it? Because, you know, there are people I know who sacrifice a lot to get what they have. They're not happy <laughs> right. at all. And so you've point. got to, you know, it's, it's a way out because like you guys were talking, it's not all about the money always. Matter of fact, I say, if you make it all about the money, it becomes very quickly not about the money as yeah. you, as you start looking at it, you know, yeah, I remember I worked. I worked a job where uh, I had I had people I, and supervisors that were making more money than me. The only thing they liked about this job was the fifteenth and the thirtieth because that was payday. We got paid in the morning, and so they had most of their bills sent out by noon. And so the fifteenth wasn't even over yet, and they were already looking forward to the thirtieth. That's 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 basically nowhere to live, and I I know we're kind of going down this rabbit hole a little bit, but um, that's a the, good rabbit thing, hole to go down. But it, well, and it in a, it it affects men, um, but you know the the thing the opposite point of pride though is the false humility, and I see that so much. Um, people that have immense talent, and yet. They're, they avoid being so prideful that they swing in the other direction and they, have, and they have this false humility rather than just owning up to the talent that you actually have. I think that's a learning experience too, Bill, because uh, when, whenever I first gave my life, Lord, I, I met somebody who was very humble and I was overly humble, very, very much like you say. And I think you have to talk with people and you watch other people. You learn as, a, as you're a Christian. I became a Christian when I was 19. And, and I, I think it's a learning experience to know when to talk and when to shut up. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And like you said, I, and, and also, when you compliment somebody, don't flatter them. Flattery is a, is a sin as well as taking too much or giving yourself too much credit versus not credit enough. 
a good thing is to say yes or no and thank you uh, and uh, and not say too much. And, and sometimes yes, be yes, and no, be no. The parable of the talents comes to mind, which is a, I always find a very useful instruction that, that we are, and, and talents, of course, in, when, in, in the Bible, literal Bible story, are, I think, are silver or you know you know objects of value of and of, of goods you know for exchange but if you even if you take the connotative word talents uh the lord the lord expects you to do things with your talents um he doesn't just give it to you right for you to even even and and i think this is the way yes one guy squanders it but the other another fellow He's he's another bad example. He just buries it. He buries his talents. Doesn't do anything with them. The the uh, the the person, the individual in the parable who's held as an example, multiplies his talents. Now let's not. I know that's used in the prosperity gospel, and that's not what I'm saying here. Um, <laughs> but what I'm saying here is that the Lord, I, I, Pastor Taylor gave a a. A uh, great sermon, a very good sermon last week. But one of his last Sunday. But one of the things he says is to uh, don't confuse worshiping God with worshiping gifts from God, and maybe that's part of the pride equation. Uh, that that uh, and 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 I'll I'll quote Spider Man just because I want to be a nerd <laughs> okay, for a moment. Okay, we've gone from the Jesus to Spider Man <laughs> to to be to be a nerd for a moment. Mm -hmm. To whom great with great power comes great responsibility, and and I believe there's a biblical tend to that, mm -hmm. and it's it's listed in and you know Too if you have given, much is expected right yeah if you have right. talent you know part you know Steve gives me a hard time about teaching down in the youth department all the time I like teaching in oh. the youth department I've been successful mm -hmm. at it for a number of years and I I'm the crazy guy that normally this time of year. I go spend a week in camp zip lining, rock climbing, and swimming with 60 teenagers and just stupid enough to where I, I have enough U of H gear that I wear a different U of H shirt every day because it makes a kid come up and talk to me. He hasn't talked to me all year other than, hey, how's it going? And right. end up having a two-hour conversation with him. I'm that crazy guy that will do that stuff. And and I would I would almost feel guilty if I didn't teach youth on Sundays. If that makes sense. I mean, I took one year off and how I got involved in Man Up because I taught up there for somewhere around 20 years at that point. So I decided I was going to take a year off, come hang out with adults. Found you guys. Great discovery, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, <sorry>. Great mutual. <laughs> but, but, you know, but I would feel very guilty if I did not do that on a well, routine basis. Can you overrate yourself? And, and something comes to mind, what you're saying there. Mm -hmm. uh, or can you overrate or overstate things? I remember the quarterback, Tim Tebow, uh, was quite quite open in college. He did phenomenal as a quarterback. But when he came out into pro football, um, you all, all of you remember, I'm sure he would say if he did something really good, oh, praise God. In fact, his last year in college, he would say, praise God, Jesus helped me and everything. He's real vocal about that. And it looked like it hurt his, looked like it hurt his professional career because uh, he offended enough people or it looks like he offended enough people. So there is a time when you can say that and a way that you can say that maybe that 
that we should be careful on how we say. Well, I'll, I'll contrast. I'm glad you brought that up. I'll contrast two, two, two quarterbacks, two college quarterbacks who were pretty much contemporary, went in different directions, and you could see their behavior. There was Tebow, who yeah. I, you know, I frankly, I'm gonna just, I, I don't think he was pro level, um, but you know, he had a great, he had a great game, he had one big game. He did get a shot at the level, but he was always humble. That's, that's, I think, the big I difference. Agree. That's true. Compare that to Johnny Manziel. <laughs> right. I mean, one guy, Tebow would kneel in the end zone. Uh, Manziel's trademark was, uh, it's hard to do this on a podcast. Was, money. You know, was show me the money. money. The, show, show me the me money. The, money the, 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 you know, the, 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 the right. fingers. That's and right, this is a guy who, who had a, comp basically, he was about as good as Tebow, got to the pros. He was not, he was, he was not a good, he didn't make it, didn't work it in the pros. And this came as a complete, he, it led to his complete breakdown, actually. Um, uh, and that was real pride. I mean, he was, he was worshiping the gifts, not the giver. And uh, I mean, this is, that's a great case in point. So and that's so a Tebow, really good comparison because they were I, very I, much contemporaries. I know, yeah. I know very Tebow good got a lot of heat for kneeling in the end zone. Uh, and um, he was drafted by my old favorite team, the New York Jets, partly because he made headlines doing it. Um, but I, you know, but, but frankly, he's, look at him, look at both men today. Tebow, I think for the last thing I heard, he was experimenting with baseball, but he is a success at what, whatever right. he's doing. Um, he, yeah. Manziel well, and, is, I think he's got a, I think he's been humbled like Nebuchadnezzar. He spent some time in the wilderness. Um, and I think, I think, I think he's, he had some substance abuse issues that I think he's put behind him, which is great. But I, and, and may, and that's a, that's a good part of the story, but we see the two boys approaches to their gifts. Well, and, and I'll tell you the, the back end of both of them. Cause I know a little bit cause I follow both of them. Um, Tebow does with the funds he saved and made, he actually sponsors proms for uh, special um, needs kids to where they actually have a prom funded for dresses provided the whole nine yards for kids with down syndrome and stuff like that. When they're seniors, a friend of mine in Amarillo, her son went to his prom in Amarillo last year and he wow. funds that Manzel. All you need to know is, the XFL would not touch him with a hundred foot pole. <laughs> wow. The XFL was running. They were like, no, <laughs> not even interested. And, 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 and that wasn't just media. I have it on very good sources that it was a real deal that, that he actually reached out to a team that I had a connection with. Oh. And, that, and that team actually wow. said, no, no <laughs> in no uncertain circumstances. No. <laughs> General, we're approaching the end of our time. So any quick final thoughts? Be real. Be, uh, as you grow, um, uh, certainly, um, be confident, be bold in your action, but as you get older, understand what your strengths are, accentuate those strengths, and be humble, but don't go overboard. Be real. I, I, th I find the uh, story we looked at today an incredible story in a 
incredible picture. Um, Nebuchadnezzar goes from a very, very, very proud uh, a pagan king to a very uh, strong uh, king who who worships the holy God of Israel. Uh, we don't know what uh, how far how much further goes with this. We have a lot more lessons, folks, in Daniel ahead of us, so we won't talk about any further than that. But I, I just think him starting off with his personal testimony, then he explained what happened to him, and uh, he acquired the mind of an animal, as Robert said, and I think one of you mentioned the particular term for that in psychology, and God spared him, and he came back, and his kingdom was held for him, and, and see, one of you mentioned that his kingdom was held for him, and, and, and probably because Daniel was number two in the kingdom. He probably knew that it would last seven years, whatever the length of time it was that God put him into misery, humble him and bring him to a knowledge of God, the Holy Father. Uh, Daniel probably watched that for him, and when that seven years had passed, he started watching for him, and then he was able to get his kingdom back. So it's a great testimony, folks. Uh, if you ever hear testimonies of people who come to know God and how he, in fact, presents himself to them, this is a, this is a perfect example of it. And uh, God did a very great job of bringing him around. Right. Right. Uh, keep keep focused on God. No, remember that who gave you the gifts and the talents that you may have you may have honed those talents, and we've talked about that. But the gifts come from God, and remember who gave you the gifts as you go forward, trying to do the things that you've been gifted to do. Well, thank you, guys. I'm going to wrap up with. Uh, just a plug for our, again, our website, uh, www.man-up.com. I'm sorry, manupspiritualoasis.com. Uh, our blog is there. And as I mentioned earlier, Bill is going gangbusters. Uh, I'm trying to keep up with, with getting that stuff up there. Uh, uh, also, follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Uh, and keep, you know, we'll, we'll provide a weekly preview. We're going to talk about... Uh, uh, each week, and uh, did, I, did I miss anything, Robert? I think that no, you you did well. You got all of us. Great, great, great. So, uh, for now, uh, on behalf. By the of way, the fans, we're missing Kyle. You yes, might we did say we got a shout out to Kyle Trahan, our coon ass from Louisiana, uh, who is not with us tonight. But best wishes to him. Hope to see you yes, back next absolutely. week, Kyle. Uh, Meanwhile, for all of you, uh, stay safe. Have a blessed week. Thanks. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through into this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.